Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, maybe we should call this live from the fellowship hall or something. I don't know. But it's good to see all of you. Glad you found the location. Uh, it wasn't so different than a usual Sunday, but it is a little bit different today. And it's, it's good to see all of you uh, that you made it through with us together this morning for church. Um, to be in a room like this on a hot day means that there were a lot of people who did some important work, and I think maybe the first thing we should do is acknowledge that and say thank you. So thank you to all the folks who have worked behind the scenes. Set up chairs and sound and to move, make, help us make a little Exodus-style trip from the sanctuary to the fellowship hall. And uh, speaking of which, just a couple of notes for us. We are recording today. For those of you who would normally join us by live stream, sorry that we weren't able to loop you in today. Our hope is that in the future, if we stay in this room, we'll be able to set that up for you. But for those of you joining us after the fact, I'm glad that you could be with us uh, in that way today. Um, isn't it a gift to have uh, space, right? Have your own room, to have air conditioning, we are also that much closer to the coffee, right? So all sorts of, uh, you know, unintended, beautiful benefits to this. Um, that being said, we did make some big changes today. So as we go, we'll be working out some kinks. So with the sound, with the screen, like that, we put this all together a little bit late. So, so let's remember that together and be patient. If your neighbor can't see, you can move heads around or things like that. Um, and other than that, I think it's time to get started. So friends, when we worship, no matter what room that we are in or how many people are there, it's worship because God shows up. And so whether we are there in the hot room or in this room, which is a little less hot, or whether we are at home, this is worship because God has promised to be with his people. And so friends, with that good news in our minds and hearts, would you rise? And let's say it's called The Lord be with you. Sing a new song to the Lord, who has worked wonders, whose right hand and holy arm have brought salvation. The Lord has made known salvation, has shown justice to the nations, has remembered truth and love for the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God.
please join me in prayer confession. God of everlasting love, we confess that we have been unfaithful to our covenant with you and with one another. We have served our own self-interest instead of serving you and your people. We have not loved our neighbors and We often use our words as weapons when we should be slow to speak. Hear this good news. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. As the Father has compassion for the children, so the Lord has compassion on those who do.
the peace of Christ be with you all. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. 
we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Lord, as we learn in PBS this week, you are great and you are good and you have blessed your people and we come to you with thanksgiving. Thank you for a joyful BBS week that we just experienced. Thank you for Kate and her trusty assistant Carla for their wise leadership. Thank you for all the leaders and helpers who gladly led and loved the children. Thank you for the children who came. Let the seeds of faith planted in their hearts grow. Bless their families. Thank you for unity among the churches of the NAC. You have blessed this community with a strong Christian presence. Help us to work together, each using our particular gifts to build your kingdom here in the Blackstone Valley. Father, we pray for unity among Christians all over the world. We pray that unity will be a testament to your glory and power and grace and truth. Where there is not unity, bring healing and reconciliation. Father, we pray for the persecuted church in many places around the world. Send the Holy Spirit to minister to them. Father, in our own country, there is a lot of polarization and disunity on so many issues. Bring your peace to our country. Help us as Christ followers to be peacemakers. Help us to be quick to listen and slow to fire back an answer. We pray for wisdom for our leaders at the national, state, and local levels. We pray for the leadership of this church, for Pastor Matthew, and the elders and deacons and staff. Help us to discern your path for Pleasant Street and to go that way. Give us unity. Lord, you are the great physician, and thank you for healing. Be with Audrey B. as she recovers from surgery. Give Kathy B. relief from pain. Be with Stuart and Debbie. Bring strength and healing to them. Father, bless Carol L. Help her doctors to find a balance that will allow her to return home from the hospital and meet her new great-grandson. Bless Tracy, her daughter, as she cares for Carol. Bring healing to Karen S. and to Chris D. as he recovers from shoulder surgery. We pray for our elderly members who cannot be out about. Bless them and help us to be a blessing to them. For those who struggle with depression and anxiety, give your peace, your peace that passes understanding. Help us to be united in our care for those in need. Thank you for our pastor and bless Matthew as he brings your word to us. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your spiritual nourishment. And I'd like to use the words of Jesus from John 17 end this prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be the one, may be one as we are, I in them and you in me so they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. In the name of Jesus.
Continuing in our study of Proverbs with Pastor Matthew, we have several readings for our scripture today, all from Proverbs. Starting with Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. From Proverbs 11, verses 12 and 13. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Proverbs 27, verse 14. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Proverbs 9, 7 through 9. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers, or they will pay you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. Proverbs 15:4. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 18, verse 13. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And finally, Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. This is the word of God. Hello again. Are you cold? Good. Good too. Uh, after a week on vacation, uh, it's good to be back with you this morning. And um, I'm going to try to keep my feet in one spot here. This is my, this is my space this morning. Uh, we're continuing our walk through the book of Proverbs together. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, as we lift up in this room some of the sayings of the wise that have to do with words, we are reminded that we are in your presence, that you meet us through words. And so here we ask that you would dig out our ears and that you would soften our hearts so that for people looking for good news, we might hear it in, in surprising ways. For those of us feeling worn and hardened by the world around us, we might find something planted in us that can grow up to a new kind of life. We trust 
that somehow you can take these very old words and sayings and breathe life into them, that they might become good news for us. And we ask that you would do that now in your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Adam McHugh did not get serious about listening until he realized that he could not get a date. Adam McHugh is a Presbyterian hospice chaplain, and if you don't know what that means, I will tell you. It means that his calling is to listen to people for a living. A few years ago, he wrote a book about the power of listening and all the things that he had been learning. It's called A Listening Life. McHugh's journey toward listening began when he realized that he was not good-looking enough to get women to pay attention to him any other way. And so he writes that he learned to woo women with eye contact, paraphrasing, and active listening sounds. McHugh started learning to listen to get a date, but what he discovered is that listening is not actually a parlor trick. Listening is a fundamental part of what it means to be in fact, the more that he thought about it, he realized that less listening is one of the first things that any of us do. We begin our life in our mother's womb listening. Before we can see or control our gross motor movements, before we can do pretty much anything, we are bathed in sounds. Hearing music, sounds of our mother humming, her heartbeat, also words. We begin life surrounded by words, and then after we are born, that continues because we spend the next several months hearing words spoken and sung and whispered over us day in and day out until one day we begin to echo those words back one imperfect syllable at a time. We are surrounded by words. Words when we turn on the car, words that greet us on the screen when we wake up first thing in the morning, words in print and in the air around us. But at the same time, don't you find it ironic that surrounded as we are by words, they seem less important to us than ever? You know, we have a saying in our culture, sometimes we say, talk is cheap, right? We spend words without really thinking about them, their cost or their value. And actually, we hear words, we receive them in much the same way. And should we ever find ourselves misunderstood or if it seems that no one is listening, well, we just spend more words. In a world where everyone around us is talking, I think what McHugh has discovered is that it is those who know how to listen who have truly understood the power of speech, which is also a characteristic of the wise, at least according to Proverbs anyway. We are learning about wisdom and the various parts and characteristics of wisdom this summer, and a big part of wisdom, according to the book of Proverbs, is about knowing how to use words well. But wisdom with words is not the same thing as doing your daily wordle in three guesses, or even two. Wisdom is not about how many words you know. 
Wisdom is also not the same thing as knowing how to talk yourself out of a corner. <laughs> no, in fact, it would seem, according to the book of Proverbs, that the more words that we know, the more dangerous it can be. Proverbs 18.21 suggests that those who love their voice might find one day that everything that they have said catches up to them. Now, the sages don't want us to confuse things here. Wisdom is not having a lot of words or big $5 words or knowing how to use them to manipulate others. Wise words, according to the book of Proverbs, are the right words spoken the right way, delivered at just the right time. Wisdom means that sometimes wisdom is saying very little at all. The sages in the book of Proverbs tend to think that we should be thoughtful and thrifty with our words because the sages know that no matter how many words are at our disposal right now, talk is never actually cheap. Words can wound or they can heal in a moment. And words reveal who we are to the people who are listening. Or as the sage in chapter 15, 4 put it, a healing tongue is a tree of life. Tongue has the power of life and death. The sages want us to see that words matter because relationships matter. Words, as Proverbs 18 says, are far from trivial. They are, well, they are food on the table. They are a harvest that you eat. Words have the power to nourish you or to diminish you. They give life or they can take it. Proverbs takes the words that we say and the ones that we hear very seriously. And so the sages tell us that those who are wise know that to use words well means, first of all, knowing what not to say. There is an old Jewish folktale, which I have come to love, about a man confessed to his rabbi that he was a gossip, and he asked to be cured. The rabbi thought for a moment, and he said to him, go to the market and bring me back a plucked chicken. It must be absolutely clean, though. Not one feather left anywhere. And I need it immediately. Hurry! So the man took off sprinting to the butcher's stall first, and he threw down the money, and he grabbed the chicken, and he pulled off the feathers as he ran back along the way. He gave the bear chicken to the rabbi who inspected it, and then the rabbi said, you have done a thorough job. Not one feather is left. That's fine. Now go back and gather up every feather you scattered. The wise know that gossip scatters out from you like feathers in the wind. You can't ever get them all back. They go out beyond anyone's control, especially yours. The wise know what gossip is, Proverbs 11, 12, and 13 tells us, and they know not to indulge it. The one who derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who understands knows to hold their tongue. The wise know that just because some words look very appetizing 
does not mean that they are worth indulging. Like a mealy apple, the wise know that gossip might just be words that look good but are rotten to the taste, and that they can ruin both you and your neighbor. Perverse speech, writes Ellen Davis, is not just damaging for us individually, but it can be like dry rot for a community. Every kind of vicious speech destroys mutual respect and it keeps attention riveted on what's trivial and evil. When we obsess over the failings of others, we are the ones who are sometimes diminished. The wise know what not to say because, well, they know the value of relationships and words have everything to do with relationships. And so the wise, Proverbs tells us, are the people who know how to speak right words, delivered at the right time, spoken in just the right way. The wise know what's worth saying and how to say it. I'm reminded of something that Tim Keller had tweeted a number of years ago, and it always stuck with me. He said, truth without grace is not really truth, and grace without truth is not really grace. The sages know that truthful words that come graciously, they can open the possibility for conversation and dialogue. The wise worry about what to say and how to say it. The wise know that words also come, sometimes with a timestamp on them. Wise words are spoken at the right time, and so, Proverbs 27 says, a loud blessing early in the morning sounds like a curse, no matter what the words are. The wise know that the same words can sound very different, whether you've spoken them before or after that first cup of coffee. Before Diana and I got married, our sagely marriage counselor gave us a wonderful piece of wisdom. He had said that when just trust me on this. When it happens that you find that your spouse has left the seat up again, or has put the milk back in the fridge without the lid for the millionth time, or the toothpaste sits without a cap, or any of these things which are impossible for you to imagine now, but one day you will, you will want to tell her or him about it right there in the moment that you discover it, but don't. Whatever you do, don't. Instead, ask yourself some questions first. Are they brushing their teeth? Did they just walk through the door? Did they just wake up? Has it been a long day? Are you more interested in letting them have it or in addressing a problem? Oh man, wise words are chosen at just the right time. They are not words delivered hot off the press. Proverbs 15, 28 says the righteous, they know how to weigh their words before they speak. The wise choose the timing for the words, and they choose how heavy they should be. They want to know if the words are just the right weight for the occasion. They want to know if the tone is right, if the timing is right, because Wise words are as much about the speaker as they are the receiver. And so the wise speak with empathy because they know that how you are heard is as important as what you say, and they want to be heard. Proverbs 18 tells us that good words 
on a healing tongue are like perfectly ripe peaches, fresh from the tree. I love that image, don't you? If we're honest, and if we could remember most of the things that we've said, we would probably acknowledge that many of our words, the ones given and received, are neither right nor satisfying. We are surrounded by words. It matters because words are the keys to relationships. And yet, ironically, have you noticed that for all the words around us, we are more disconnected than ever? It was Mother Teresa who noticed this years ago about us in the West. She who lived among the poorest of the poor in India, she would come here and she would lament our suffering. And she said that isolation, in her estimation, had become the great sickness of our day in the Western world. Loneliness, she wrote, is the leprosy of the West. And maybe even more devastating than Calcutta poverty. We are surrounded by words, my friends. We cannot possibly believe that we just need more of them. Instead, Proverbs is telling us that what we need is to learn to use them with wisdom. And so how do we learn to speak words that build up and heal? How do the sages learn the right time, the right words, the right way to say them? Well, unfortunately, there is no formula. Why speech is not robotic? It's not predictive text. Why speech is responsive. It is responsive to you and to others and to the moment you're in and how hot the room is. The sages tell us if you want to learn wise speech, the first thing you need to know to learn how to speak wisely is how to listen. Do you want to know what a wise person looks like, Proverbs 9 says, offer some criticism. Because the wise are not first and foremost speakers. They are first and foremost listeners. They can listen to criticism before reacting. They can weigh their own hearts for anger and fear and joy and trust in their response before they give it. They can listen to other people before the, the need to jump in with a story about how one time the same thing happened to them. And isn't that interesting? They can listen to people who are even in deep pain and hurt and fear and doubt and hear their longings, not for information, but for the voice of God. And the wise can imagine how their words might be heard by someone else before they speak. Proverbs says, to answer before listening is the road to folly and shame, and the wise have learned to anticipate. The wise speak well because they have been listening. They listen above all to the source of all perfect words, to God himself. Which seems to be what this elderly sage named Augur is telling us in Proverbs chapter 30. At the end of his life and all of his life's work in trying to discover what wisdom is, Augur says that it is God's words alone that are God's words never fail. God's words are always 
perfectly timed. God's words made the world, after all. And by words, God keeps the world running every single day. God's words are real enough to be able to shield us from all grief and sorrow in this world. And God's words are worth trusting because God alone keeps his promises. And in the presence of God's words, it is wisdom to realize that you don't have to add anything to the conversation. If you try to add something to the conversation, you will probably just wind up feeling silly. So, so don't kid yourself. You don't have to say anything at all. Just listen. Listen. There's an ancient prayer called the Jesus Prayer that goes back maybe to the Egyptian ascetics of the fifth century. It's the kind of prayer that's very simple and short, and it's meant to be repeated throughout the day in order to become aware of how present Jesus is in each and every moment of the life of the person who is speaking it. It goes like this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In his journey to learn to listen to God, Adam McHugh talks about how he discovered that prayer and he adapted it based on the story of Eli and young Samuel in the book that bears his name. McHugh dubbed it himself the Samuel Prayer. And it goes like this. It's really short. I think you'll get it on the first try. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's it. Isn't that great? Those are the first words that McHugh says each morning that he wakes up before he looks or takes in any other words. He says those. And at the end of the day, after swimming in a sea of words, good and bad, and some a mix, the last ones that he speaks are those words, speak, Lord, for your servants, listen. And as often as he is able, he tries to say that simple prayer throughout his day. Speak, Lord, your servants, listen. And it occurs to me that here, in the womb of God's church this morning, servants of God are hearing from God too. Here in the church which Paul calls our mother, we are learning to listen to the heartbeat of God and the sound and pitch and tone and rhythm of his voice to recognize the perfect words of God. Here in the womb where we are reborn and nurtured up into the life of faith as children of God. Well, some of you may know we saw the pictures already, but we had vacation Bible school here this week. It was back after a two-year hiatus. It was right here in this building, and it was here in this room, in fact, and the hot one over there. And that means a lot of different things, but one of the things that it means is that this building was full of words all week. Seriously, you cannot possibly imagine, those of you who weren't here, just how many words were in this room all week. They were flying everywhere. 
There was this story that I happened to catch halfway uh, about a second grader who was learning to ride his bike. It was very interesting. And meanwhile, over there, there was a, a, a story um, about a play-by-play -play sort of reconstruction about why a little girl chose to wear the particular dress that she had worn that day from a first grader. It's fascinating. And, and meanwhile, in the kitchen, there was wonderful conversation happening amongst the volunteers making coffee and snacks and amongst the other volunteers about summer plans and recent trips and things like that. And, well, in the sanctuary over there, it was full of a dialogue between a certain DJ cupcake and a top chef. And the church was full of words, also of songs, about how God provides. Silly songs, which I actually still cannot get out of my head. And it was full of the words of the stories of God. And what God says, and what He does, and what it is like to trust Him. And about how He provides for us, and cares for us, and loves us, and and in this building, it turns out that again today, this room is full of them again. In fact, it's full of them every Sunday. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. The words that we swim in when we come into this place happen to be perfectly fitted to our wounds. They are words that can be a shield from the words that have wounded us and a refuge from the words that we have wounded with. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. God's words are perfectly timed to our needs, too. Did you know that? The word of God that was in the beginning with God before anything that existed at just the right time, Paul says, became flesh. And the word came and dwelt among us. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Just listen. Rising from page and clear as day, resounding in this room and in our souls, there is a prayer. Jesus' own prayer. Punctuated by the sound of nails in wood, there is a prayer that was prayed for you. Forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, like children, we learn to speak what we have heard. And so now, in this place, in a room resounding and full of your good news that you created the world by words and that when it fell into sin and disobedience, alienation and hostility, you spoke words of promise to a single man who had no future and no options and out of him created by those promises a new people with a new destiny. And at just the right time, those promises became as real as flesh and blood when your son took on flesh and walked among us here. Using words to teach us about what you are like and about what your kingdom is like 
and about what all things will be like when you make everything new by your words and by your power. And so we ask, O oh God, that in this room and in each and every place that we go this week, that we would notice, hear, absorb, and be attentive to your words. What we're saying is, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We have a chance to respond to God together as a congregation. One of the ways that we'll do that is after worship through a sermon discussion. You're all welcome to join us for that. The only thing you really need to have done is to have heard the sermon, which you just did. So anyone is welcome. About 15 minutes after worship, we'll meet downstairs, which is also air conditioned. But before we do that, our third through fifth grade students have a chance, as they do most Sundays, to talk together about what they're noticing in church. And so I want to invite any of our third or fifth grade students to make the short trip up to the front here because we have a prayer for you before you go. Morning, guys. People of God, what is our prayer? serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. I want to invite our worship team up because we have a chance to respond to God now together in song. Regina Rogers, as your people.
Go in peace, love and serve. Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs>